0: next one yeah, and so it's yours truly and it's all it's talking all about um who Jesus is in um, some essence in some form that Jesus is both God and he's also man and what significance that holds for our Christian faith. This is actually one of the most important elements of our Christian faith. And so over the next two weeks, uh, Pastor Beck and myself will be each taking a week talking about one of those very key aspects of who God, who Jesus is, and why He is this amazing gift to us in the lead up to Christmas. So really excited for that. Uh, But today, as we get into the message, let's read Acts chapter 16, verses 25 to 34. And it says this, about midnight, Paul and and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that your word brings illumination, it brings clarity, it brings life to us. We pray that God that you are already depositing uh, seeds in our heart. You are preparing us to receive this amazing revelation of who you are and how you are wanting to interact with us, to have this relationship with us. And I pray that it will become super clear this morning through this message. Let all these words um, that are not of you fall to the ground, but whatever is from you, let it hit home. Let it challenge us. Let it stir us up to the things that you want us to be doing with our lives. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Now, as a youth, I spent half of my youth in Singapore and half of my youth here in Perth. And when we were in Singapore at that time, there was a worship revolution, I think you can call it that, happening over here in Australia. Uh, Hillsong were at probably, uh, they, they were on the rise. And there was also this youth band that they had created, Hillsong United. And then there was Planet Shakers, even though at that point in time in Singapore, I didn't know about Planet Shakers. I knew about Hillsong. And one of the things that I knew about Hillsong is like every year they would produce two albums and they would hit the shelves. This was back in the day where you couldn't stream music, all right? This was a long time ago. And so when it hit the shelves, there would be some of us uh, that would go to the shops and like, hey, the new Hillsong is out and they would buy the albums. And then there was a few who were a bit more cynical like myself. Because at the age of 12, I had tried to write songs and had failed miserably. And to think that this church over in Australia were producing not one but two albums every year, I was like, there's a scam going on here. They just want our money. These aren't that great songs, but they know how to churn them out so that us silly old Asians on the other side of, not really on the other side of the planet, but Would buy that. I was was cynical. I was a bit, I was thinking about all of these different things. It was like, you know, worship needs to be so sacred. You would need to kind of like meditate and sit on the word of God for years before you're able to write a song. All these thoughts in my head. And then I moved over to Perth and I found myself in a Pentecostal church. And I saw young people worshiping to these songs, and they were crowding the front of the church. They were jumping up and down. They would raise their hands and worship. And I was going, there's something very authentic about their worship here. There was something that they did, there was an abandon in the way that they worshiped that I was like, hang on, this is not about some, like, even if, even if that church over there were just, you know, there wasn't ai back then but using some kind of technology to churn out songs these people still were worshiping and then when i was um how old was i i was about 17 and um And my church decided to get two coach loads of young people over the Nullarbor uh, into Adelaide to go for uh, the Planet Shakers conferences, a youth conference. And so, I don't know, I think there was about 50 of us taking a 36-hour coach ride into um, this unknown land called Adelaide. And we had this three, four-day conference um, for youth, and it was filled with praise. It was filled with worship. It was filled with young people. Like, like seriously, it was like this massive party, but there was something much more um, glorious about it. It wasn't just about singing songs and having fun. There was genuinely a stirring in people's heart for God. And my heart was stirred. I was like, this is amazing. This is wonderful. And during that course, there were a few times that I heard uh, this message, a message based on the passage that we just read this morning about Paul and Silas being in prison. And as they worshiped, the chains would fall off their feet and the prison doors would open. And then they would say a phrase similar to this, that worship is our weapon that as we use worship as our weapon, the chains of depression, the chains of anxiety, the chains of whatever is holding us back, our past, our sinfulness, it will all fall away. And I used to think about that message much as a teenager. There's so much going through our heads, our identities in formation. We are trying to figure out who we are and what God is calling us to. And I love putting worship music in the background. On and I love singing those songs. I love getting my guitar and singing way too loudly for the rest of my family you can ask them this is all true and I would fight against the forces of evil with my worship and I do believe that worship has that way of focusing us onto God I think that you know when we have all of these issues in our life part of the problem is that our focus is on ourselves and how we are going to make that breakthrough happen the truth is many of us have fallen into that hole, if you want to call it a hole, because we were inadequate in the first place. We, why are we wrecked with anxieties? Because we don't know whether we are able to face the threats in our future. Why are we wrecked with depression? Why are we held down and oppressed with depression? It's because we don't know where our hope is going to come from. If our lives are based on how well I'm doing, all of us have had a revelation at some point that I'm not good enough. And that's why those chains happen. And when we worship, we're singing songs about how big God is and not how big I am. We're taking the focus off me and we're focusing on God. And no wonder anxiety doesn't have a hold on me. When I'm singing about, hey, there are like thousands of angels, maybe millions of angels singing to the glory of God. And, it's like, and I get to join in with them and this host. My problems aren't as significant when I'm singing worship to God. My issues aren't as significant when I realize that God is for me and not against me. And so worship can be our weapon. But as I continued to grow up, and as I looked into this, as I prepared for this morning, I started to realize that maybe worship is our weapon, isn't the full revelation that we need to have. And I want to use this story because I think that God wants us to understand something about following Him that isn't always about whether we are, you know, living free and living it up and living our best lives in the way that our culture talks about, but maybe it's about something else. And so as we look into this story, we need to understand that it is in the middle of a larger story. And so let's unpack that. We don't have time to read through the whole story. And so We're going to kind of walk through Acts chapter 16 a little bit. So at the start of Acts chapter 16, first we need to know who these two dudes are. Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas were what we might call missionaries. They were some of the first missionaries of the Christian church, and they would go out away from Israel, which is where they were likely from, and they would preach the gospel to places and cities and nations where people did not know about Jesus. And so that was their job. They would set up churches, and they would go from place to place to place, and they saw tremendous success. The fact that we are able to worship here today is largely in part because there were these missionaries that made the gospel available to all nations back in the day. So Paul and Silas and a few other mates, they were on this missionary journey, and as they were about to enter into a new city, they felt like they were not supposed to go there. And so they prayed about it, and Paul has this vision, this dream at night, that a man from Macedonia was calling him to come to Macedonia. And Paul talks about it to his team, and they prayed about it, and they went, I think we're meant to be going to Macedonia. And so they set out to Macedonia and that's um verses 6 to 10 and then the next verse we find that they arrive in a, a city called philippi if you're singaporean you would have called it philippi at some point close to the philippines but not quite um, but they went to Philippi. Now, for those who don't know ancient geography, Philippi is actually in Macedonia. They were going, oh, they were supposed to go to Macedonia. Why are they at Philippi? Well, Philippi was a city in Macedonia. And they reached Macedonia. Uh, sorry, Philippi, and the, the, the story goes on to say that they went to a place, they found a place where believers were gathering to pray, and this is really important for us to kind of paint the picture. See, Paul and Silas and the missionaries in the book of Acts, one of the things that they did often is that when they went to a new place, they would go to a uh, building called the synagogue. A synagogue is a place where Jews would meet to learn and listen to the Torah, and Paul will often go to the synagogue. Why? Because he would explain to these Jewish people that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Torah. Jesus was the fulfillment of the prophets that they had been listening to for years. And, And through that, they will often build a base of people out of that synagogue because Jewish people were already somewhat open to the gospel and that was supposed to be their base. Now, they arrived at Philippi, and they didn't go to a synagogue. Instead, they went to a random meeting place where they found out that some people were praying. What does that tell us? That Jewish people were not that numerous or not powerful enough to have a synagogue in that city. This tells us that Macedonia has not been infiltrated at that point in time with even uh, kind of like the base of the gospel, which is what we might call the Old Testament. In other words, Macedonia was probably quite an unreached people group. Put it this way. That might be something that we can understand. It is like going to a country where Christianity is so low that there aren't even that many churches. You can't find people. And so for these missionaries going into this place, I think that they would have been considering God's called us to Macedonia to preach the gospel. And I think this is exciting because this is almost like uncharted territory. There aren't even the easy building blocks, the normal building blocks that we would have had. This doesn't include that. We're going to have to start from scratch. And so they went to this uh, a prayer meeting, and they found a, f- a bunch of ladies, and they preached to them the gospel, and they believed, and they got baptized. And one of these ladies, her name was Lydia, and it turns out that she's quite a rich woman, and she begins to house this missionary team and says, you can work from my house, and back then in the Roman times, a house wasn't just like the kind of houses that we have. They are quite massive facilities, and it, uh, especially for the rich people, it include places for meeting rooms. So they found their base with Lydia. And can you imagine what it would be like, right, if God called you on a mission to a new place and you realize this is uncharted territory, and then on one of the first days that you set out on your mission, you not only have success in preaching the gospel so that people are baptized, you actually get a benefactor that says, we want you to continue your work and I'm going to pay you for it. That's pretty awesome, right? It's said, God, thank you for your dream that called me to Macedonia because God, you open up and open, there's an open door of opportunity. The harvest is plentiful. There is something amazing going on here. And then the story turns. You see, what happened is that Paul and Silas were on their way to this meeting place on another day. And um, there was this slave girl who started following them. And she started, and she has this uh, spirit of divination, the Bible tells us. There is this demonic spirit that she has, and she begins to shout out as she follows them, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Now, I've read this many times, and most of the time I'm like, what's the problem with that? Right? Anyone here goes, if someone's kind of following me around and saying exactly the truth about me, Cool. Might be a bit weird, but cool. And I needed to understand what was going on here a little bit more. You see, when this girl used, can you put up the, um, the Bible verses, verse, verse 17. When she says that these men are servants of the Most High God, we read into that, our Christian God, God. That's not what they would have thought about. It was a generic enough name. You see, the word God uh, for the Jewish people was an interesting word because they weren't actually allowed to say the word, say God's name, and so they would use these generic terms to describe God. And that's why our Christian God, technically speaking, in the Hebrew, uh, in the Jewish uh, ideology, His name is Yahweh. But we don't really use Yahweh because we're more used to God, because God is His title, if you will. And so when this slave girl was saying these are servants of the Most High God, they would likely not have been thinking about Yahweh, they would probably have been thinking about Zeus. Zeus. And what was going on back then is that there would be national gods, and then there would be gods of cities. And so when they heard that uh, Zeus has sent from Rome, maybe that's what they were thinking, these two guys who are bringing the message from Zeus, that was something like, oh, cool. There's a most high God, and then there is kind of like our normal God. This is kind of cool. We can listen to this dude. But they were not listening to Yahweh. They were thinking about Zeus. See, the difference between Zeus and Yahweh is that Zeus coexists with a whole number of other gods, whereas Yahweh is saying, no, no, there's only one God, and that's me. And so when they were hearing her say, this girl who was a part of their city, who has been proven to speak divination, the future, using the youth, uh, with the help of this uh, spirit, they'll be going, oh yeah, cool, she's okay with it she's uh, that, that's cool let's just add what they have to say to all that we've got going all right so there's a problem here and then the next part it says to who proclaim to you the way of salvation Again, that's a word that Christianity has evolved over time for us to understand that salvation is actually about accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior so that we will not perish but have eternal life. That's John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever would believe in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. We see that as salvation. That word salvation in the Greek simply means prosperity, blessing, breakthrough. So here's Zeus' heralds coming in to tell you how you can be more prosperous. Let's just add on what they say to all the current things that we're doing. See, Paul and Silas were telling people that they needed to repent, to change in order to come into the kingdom, and this girl was confusing them and saying, no, 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 it's okay, you can just do a few things here, you can do a few things there, and everything's going to be all right. So Paul, in his spirit, he knew that something was not right, and he turns around to this girl, and he casts this demon out in a moment. And that's pretty cool. When you read a Bible and you read stuff like that, it's pretty cool. And then what we read next is that her owners then come, and they realize that their way of making money is gone. See, they have been oppressing this little slave girl, And her demonic influence allowed her to speak divination and it allowed them to make money. That's how the economy would work. You kind of purchase slaves that are able to do things for you. And now this was gone because Paul had set her free. In fact, Jesus set her free. But now that she was free, she was also useless to them. And so this owner stirs up an uproar against Paul and Silas partly because of financial means, but he was really smart about it. He says, these guys are anti-Roman. These guys, they don't follow our culture. They don't follow our ways. They don't worship our gods. They don't it, it Really, I think for these guys, like, they, they don't want me to be making money. That's what they were saying. But he covered it with all this rhetoric. And so because of this outroar, Paul and Silas were put in jail. And they weren't just put in jail. I want you to read verse 24, which is the verse just before what I had read at the start. It says, having received His order, He put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. This wasn't just like misdemeanor. This was like maximum security. In the inner prison, and He put their feet in stocks. What stocks are, are not kind of some old school sandals they are things where if you put your feet there, there will be a wooden block over it so that you cannot move. You cannot move. You're no, you, you can't do anything. It's uncomfortable. Your feet are raised. You're kind of doing this weird crunch for the whole time, or maybe you're trying to lie down. I don't know how it would have worked. And so now that I painted the picture, we come to this point where Paul and Silas start to pray. Not start to. They have been praying, and they've been singing hymns to God all the way to midnight. Now, what were they praying about? What were they singing these hymns about? You know, as we read the story, we read about how they were singing hymns and praying and suddenly this earthquake comes and it's easy for us to assume that they were praying for an earthquake. That they were singing to God for some kind of release from their stocks to open the prison doors because that's what happened, right? It kind of makes sense. It's like if I found myself in a position where I was in maximum security with stocks over my feet, I am uncomfortable, I am unable to sleep, I would be praying to God, God let me out of here. In fact, I had this training as I was in the Singapore Army for a couple of years. It was called prison of war training. It wasn't that bad, but it was terrible. (laughs) And uh, what we did is that we had to basically over the course of eight hours be uh, put in what they call stress positions and they put us in these stress positions to break down our will. Stress positions are basically where you are being, uh, you're asked to hold a certain position for an extended period of time that makes it really uncomfortable. So, for example, if you put your hands out at 90 degrees, see how long you can hold that for before your body starts to ache. And if you start to drop it a little bit, you have this old Asian dude screaming obscenities. of you. I seriously have not heard worse obscenities than from that man. It was disgusting. It was disgusting to the point of being funny and we started laughing and then he would yell even worse obscenities. That's kind of how it went for eight hours. It was not fun. And in the middle of that time, I was, we were on our knees for half the night. We were half squatting for half the night. We were in all kinds of weird positions and I was praying like heck. And I was like, God, get me out of here. Singapore is the worst nation in the world. I don't know why anyone would want to have an allegiance with this nation. This is stupid. Get me out of here. It's like, Paul and Silas received a call to go to Macedonia. Paul and Silas received a call to Macedonia, and I don't think in the forefront of their mind was like, let's go play jail, It's like we're supposed to be preaching the gospel and suddenly we find ourselves in jail because of the gospel. See, one of the things that we need to realize is that sometimes with our culture and what we've learned is that quite often we read into the Bible how we are going to prosper because we are following God's will. Paul and Silas were in jail because they followed God's will. don't think that in this moment they were praying for god to release them because to release them would be to release them from the call as well some of us are praying against the call of god for our lives because you want things to be easier we want things to fit. We want things to play nice in our lives. And we are saying, God, take away this pain. Take away this oppression. Take away all of these things. And it's like God is saying to us, maybe God is saying to some of us, if you're don't, if you not willing to take that pain on, you're taking away the call because it all comes together. See, I don't think Paul and Silas were necessarily, in fact, I don't think that they were praying about their chains and their bonds. I don't think they were praying about the jail cell. In fact, I think we're praying about something else, and I want to prove this to you, because Paul later writes in the letter to the Philippians in Philippians four eleven to thirteen, he says. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned that in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Paul wasn't talking about, I can do all things, I can jump and suddenly start flying. He wasn't saying that I can lift a car. He was saying that when I'm in jail, it's no big It ain't no thing because I have learned that God has got His purposes for me even while I'm in jail and I've learned how to be content with it. So I don't think he was praying about those chains. I don't think he was singing songs about and there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. I don't think he was praying about those physical chains. I don't think that was the song that he was singing partly because it was written 2,000 years later. But I think he was singing and praying because that is what was a normal part of his rhythm. I think that that's they were seated there with their feet in the stocks, unable to move. I wonder whether at some point it's like, hey Silas, you sleep yet? It's like, nah, I can't sleep. Feet's too uncomfortable. It's like, what do we do? You wanna pray? Yeah, let's start praying. Let's just pray. And they start praying, they start singing all the way to midnight. See, Paul later writes in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 to 20, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplications. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints. I'm thinking that he's there, he's going like, you know what? We've got nowhere to go. Let's start praying for this new church that we formed. Let's start to pray over the city. Let's start to pray that God's gospel continues to go. I'm going to make supplications for all the saints because I get to. I can right now in this moment, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim a mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. See, for Paul, it wasn't a mission should you choose to accept. It was a mission that I cannot deny, It wasn't a mission that I can choose to obey when it suits me. It was a mission that my whole life must be about. And in this moment, in this jail cell, he was still thinking about how do I preach the gospel? And so when we read that story about how Paul and Silas were in the the jail cell, what does it say? As he was singing hymns and as he was praying, all the prisoners were a captive audience. They were listening to these prayers and they were listening to these songs. He was preaching even though he was in chains. I'm wondering how some of us might need to make friends with our chains because our chains aren't there to hold us back. They're meant to give us an audience for what God is doing in our lives. And if in 2024 we can start to realize that some of these chains are not ungodly, some of them are, but some of them aren't. Some of them are a use that God brings into our lives to put us into a space where people will start to go, how do you do this? You know, Peter tells us that we need to be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have in Jesus. Why do we need to be ready for an answer is because people actually see that you have hope. How do people see that you have hope is that in the middle of trials, in the middle of difficulties, you still have a smile on your face. In the middle of trials, in the middle of difficulties, you haven't got all despondent. Depression still, still doesn't have a hold on you. You know, let's worship in those moments, partly because it elevates our spirit, but mainly because, God, you're still good. And you're still on the throne. And so when the earthquake hits, and their chains are released, and the doors are open, if Paul and Silas were praying for those very things... They would have run. How many of us would pray for something and God gives it to us like second thoughts? It's like God, you know, it's kind of weird. It's like if I pray for a Ferrari and someone says, Here Nate have a Ferrari, I don't go like, Oh, you know what? I've been praying for six months for a Ferrari, but you know, no. No, if I pray for a Ferrari and someone came and gave me a Ferrari, I'll be like, Thank you, God has provided, right? So if they were praying for these chains to be removed and the doors to be opened and the very earthquake opens the doors and puts off their chains, they would have run out. But they stayed because they weren't praying for their release. They were praying for opportunities. They were praying for opportunities to preach. They were praying for opportunities to continue to bring the gospel to people who needed it. We look at the earthquake, but we forget about the jailer. I wonder whether it was more important to Paul and Silas to be praying and singing for the salvation of that jailer. I wonder if they pointed their weapon, not at their personal chains and their personal circumstances, but they pointed it at the people that were surrounding them in this jail. See, I started to get this picture that as Paul and Silas walked through Philippi, They were confronted with a city who had no concept of God, no concept of Jesus, no concept of grace, no concept of true salvation. They just wanted their comfort. They just wanted their prosperity. And I wonder whether in the jail cell, in the very city that they were called to reach, they were praying for the salvation of that city. And I wonder if it started, yes, with those group of women but also with that jailer who in a moment brings his whole family to Christ. Gets baptized that very night. It's past midnight, so I need to get baptized because I've just seen the power of your God. I saw the hope that was in your eyes as you were in my jail cell, maximum security, and you were still singing songs of praise to your God. Your God must mean something. How many of us sing songs about our God that means something to other people? How many of us can sing praises when our life is right now in the dumps? Because it's our praises in the times of downness that help other people to see the hope that's in us. Yes, 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 yes. Our weapon sometimes brings us breakthrough. But I put forward to you that our worship is meant to change the atmosphere around the cities that we are in. The church of Philippi goes on to be one of the first churches that Paul establishes. It doesn't have a synagogue. It doesn't have a leg up. It doesn't have many people that want to respond to the gospel. But one earthquake changed a jailer's life. And later on, we find out that there is a church in Philippi that is thriving. I don't think it's because Paul stayed there for the next 30, 40 years and built a significant church. I think it's because that flipping jailer had his life flipped around because of an earthquake and a bunch of prisoners that didn't run away when they could have. He got baptized that night. I think that he was one of the cornerstone people in that church. All because Paul and Silas, in the middle of their prison cell, in the middle of their discomfort, they continued to praise. As we finish this series, I was thinking about what we bring um, To us as a church, sometimes I think we don't feel the need to worship because things are going good for us. I'm doing well. There's a problem inherent in our culture that when we are doing well, we don't need anything else. We don't need God. We don't need, I've got a job. I've got my finances sorted. I've got my lifestyle set. And that is part of the problem because we know that if we open ourselves up to God, there will be discomfort. There are some of us that struggle with the call of God because the call of God means leaving some of the comforts, some of the securities, some of the things that we set up. Sometimes following the call of God very much looks like a prison cell. And so we pray to break out of that prison cell Rather than pray that a prison cell becomes a beacon of hope for other people. I'm using a lot of metaphor, but you, you, you put that into your life. You think about it. When I was preparing this, what it made me think about is, I want to worship in a way that breaks prison cells for other people. Not for me. Because I've learned that in every circumstance, I can be content. My God is still with me and for me. He has promised me great things both now and forevermore. And right now, He's tasked me with bringing His gospel into places. Some of us need to revisit the dreams that God has given to us, like the dream that Paul had about Macedonia. Some of us need that Macedonian dream once again, that God is calling us into places that we are actually afraid of because when we look at that place, we go, this ain't what I'm familiar with. This is not what I'm used to. What about if we worship with the heart that, God, you can use this praise to break the chains of other people? What if, God, you can use these words to help illuminate your greatness to those who are blind? What if the words that I'm singing can help someone else have their ears open to the gospel what if i praised not because of what you've done for me but what you are doing for the world what if it wasn't even really about me in the first place what if i'm not the center of the universe what if you are god well we should be as we get the band up this morning as we prepare to have a few more moments of worship this morning Can I just pray that God speaks to us and maybe reignites that vision, reignites that dream, reignites that heart, not just for what God can do for me, but what God can do through me, through my praise. Let's aim our worship weapon not at the chains that we would like gone, but at the chains that God wants to destroy in one moment in one jailbreak it wasn't paul and silas who were free it was the jailer it maybe were the other prisoners maybe that was their first church prison fellowship two thousand years old so it became a thriving church because paul and silas weren't necessarily looking for god to do something nice for me but he was looking for god to continue the mission that he initiated and that he sustains, and that he continues. I want to pray that as we worship that there's encouragement for you. You might have let God down in your mind. Can you imagine what Paul and Silas maybe were thinking? It's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have cast out that demon. Let that girl continue to yabba yabba. It's fine. I know what I'm doing. She can do what she does. What if they had second thoughts like, oh man, where did we go wrong? Like, we're going to get chucked out of this city. We might even be killed. How are we supposed to preach the gospel then? Paul, you had the dream. Why are we here? All those thoughts could have gone through their mind, but I don't think it did. They continued to hold fast. God called, God makes a way. Come on, Each and every single one of you, listen up. God has called you and God will make a way. I don't care about your past. I don't care what mistakes you've made. I don't care how many times you let God down. If God's called, He will make a way. He can use your prison cell to be a beacon of hope for some other people. He can use your life to be of significance today, tomorrow, and the rest of your life because God is a God of redemption. God is a God of reaching into the deepest, darkest places and bringing hope and light. And then he asked you to do the same. We're meant to be following Christ. Christ went into the deepest places to bring hope. And many of us are called in the same way. I, I feel all of us are called to do that in the same way. That's what we try to do as a church. That's why we have plastic chairs so you don't fall asleep. But maybe if we worship God and caught hold of his largeness, maybe we'll start to see breakthrough beyond us sometimes it doesn't even touch us see the bible gave us a theology that when we worship the prison chains fall off us what happened to john the baptist what happened to james the brother of john what happened to jesus there was only one out of 12 original apostles well 11 that didn't die a martyr's death and in fact, John, who didn't die because of oppression, he was put in a boiling tub of oil, deep fried, came out of life, because God said, you're not done yet. I-, I-, I want that same courage, and I want that same kind of attitude, that God, if you're, you're saying that my mission's not done, I'm not done. And so you encourage me, help me to realize that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me i can do all things through christ who strengthens me why i worship a god of greatness is because He deserves it, and it also reminds me that it doesn't matter what my circumstance looks like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So come on, let's stand, church. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to worship. Dear Jesus, I pray that You ignite something in us. I pray that the call of the Macedonian man it comes to each and every single one of us, wherever You're calling us to, whether it's our friends, our family, whether it's far-flung places that we've never really considered. God, I pray that the call gets reignited. I pray that the prison cells, that we Might find ourselves in are not holding us back, but rather they are a position for us to worship you in, to bring hope and to bring the gospel into places that we haven't considered. God, I pray that this coming year that we do not rest back and say, I've done my part, but rather I know that you are not done with us yet, that you're still doing stuff. For those who are discouraged, for those who are wondering whether the call is still there, I pray, God, right now that you ignite something fresh, you ignite something new, that you stir up those dreams, you stir up those visions you bring us into a place where God that we will be obedient to whatever it is that you are saying so as we worship this morning it's not about who we are it's not about what I'm facing but it's about God we want to see you move we want to see you move in a fresh and a new way come on let's pray for this city that we are in is much like philippi i don't think there are many people that want to respond to jesus we need to see an earthquake shake up people the prison cells of people's hearts as god wants to bring salvation into our city come on let's begin to worship this morning we hope you've enjoyed this week's message Follow us on Instagram at the Lift Church or on Facebook at Livechurch Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.